Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission and are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word and that through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Amen. Amen. If you'd get your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Joshua. Amen. Joshua chapter 6. Amen. We're going to begin with verse 16. And a big part of the reason that I feel that we're going to a Sunday night service once a month, at least for now, and uh, maybe in the place of our home groups very likely that we'll pick those back up but I feel like the vision that God has given to us for this year is crucial amen I believe it in the kingdom of God there are windows of opportunity amen windows of opportunity that if we miss them you don't get another chance I believe God's merciful I believe salvation is always available as long as there's breath in your body but there are divine purposes that God has for us as a body of Christ Amen. That that if we don't take advantage of them, if we're not ready for them, if we don't move when God says move, we don't get another chance. Children of Israel looking into the promised land. And we know the story. Twelve spies go and two come back with a good report. Ten come back and say we can't do it. And a generation that would never again have a chance to step into promise because they missed the window of opportunity. And I believe that 2020... God is putting before this church a window of opportunity, not just to grow as a church, but to impact this city. I don't, not many amens. We, we want to limit God. We limit God to growing a church by 20 or 30 people. The God that we serve can turn this city upside down. Come on, we need to believe that God can use us to impact our city. It's a shame when a drug dealer can impact the city more than a church can. Amen. How many of you believe with me that God wants to use this church to impact this city? We have a window of opportunity. So I feel that these Sunday night services are going to be instrumental. And I'm going to be preaching things that tie into the vision. Trying to keep us focused and moving forward in what God has called us to do. And so tonight we'll be... The first of these services in Joshua 6, verse 16 says, It came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets that Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Amen. Shout. Wouldn't it be awesome if we knew all that we had to do tonight for God to give us the city was to simply open our mouths and shout. Hallelujah. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Amen. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. And ye in any wise, if you keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourself accursed and you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. 
all the silver, the gold, the vessels of brass and iron, they belong to the Lord and they will come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him and they took this just like God said. He said, if you'll do this, you're going to take the city. And when they did what God said, they took the city. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Amen. And I want to preach for uh, just a little bit of time tonight on this thought, if walls could talk. Amen. If walls could talk, would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you. You've counted us worthy to be used in the kingdom. You've counted us worthy to be used for such a time as this. When our world is thirsty, when people are hungry, and they're looking for more than just the fix of religion. God, the promises of the world have been empty and left them longing for something more. And God, you've given to us that something more. You've given to us the gospel. You've given to us the only message that can satisfy the longing of the soul. And we thank you that you've counted us worthy to be involved in the work of the kingdom. And I believe tonight that you have given to us this city. And I believe that even if you have given us direction and you have said, if you will do these things, I will give you the city. And I believe tonight, Lord, as we obey the guidance that you are giving to us, I believe, Lord, that supernaturally you are going to give us this city. I believe that in 2020, we're going to see things that we can't explain. We're going to experience things that we cannot explain. We're going to see things happen, God, that human reasoning and logic cannot explain. I believe it. I declare it and I agree with what the word of the Lord has spoken. I speak it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. If walls could talk. Throughout the pages of Scripture, we find that walls play a very significant part in many very important stories. It is the placement of walls, both in location and in situation, that gives voice to the narrative of these walls. So where we find the walls and the instances that we find the walls mentioned in gives voice to the purpose and the message of these walls. The book of Daniel, chapter 5, as the Babylonian king Belshazzar desecrates the holy, the sacred vessels of the temple. The Bible tells us that a hand appears and that hand begins to write upon the wall. And there is that hand upon plastered partition begins to write within the king's palace. The wall becomes a voice. As the hand writes upon it, that wall becomes a voice declaring to Belshazzar and Babylon the end of mercy and the beginning of judgment. The message is, Belshazzar, you have been measured. Amen. Today, Belshazzar, you have been weighed in the balance and you have been found lacking. And the voice through that wall and the hand of God writing upon it the wall goes on to say, today your kingdom has been divided. Amen. If walls could talk. In the book of Nehemiah, as messengers come carrying news of the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah listens with eager intent. 
His interest and concern are focused upon the state of the people that are still living within the holy city of Jerusalem and he is concerned with the condition of the walls. Messengers come proclaiming that those yet dwelling within Jerusalem suffer great affliction and also that the walls are broken down. Nearly 900 miles away from Babylon, or rather from Jerusalem, in the city of Babylon, Nehemiah hears the cries of the walls of Jerusalem. There, the lamentation of the walls of Jerusalem pierce the heart of Nehemiah. Nehemiah understands the cry of the walls and what the walls are declaring are the consequences of those that turn their back on God. The walls declare that when a people turn their back on God, eventually we will be reduced to ruin and to rubble. I thank God for young men that stood in this pulpit today and they declared the word of the Lord. Amen. That stood without fear and without favor today. Amen. And, and they, they declared to this church uh, that you can't just live the way you want to live. Uh, you can't just do whatever you want to do and expect that God is going to bless it. Uh, but if you want to be a blessed man, uh, you got to get away from the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, you can't stand in the way of the sinner and you certainly cannot afford to be seated in the seat of the scornful. There are consequences. The walls of Jerusalem cry out 900 miles away in Babylon to Nehemiah. Their cry is of the consequences of a nation that has turned her back on God if walls could talk. We would continue tonight for hours and we could exhaust the appearance of walls within Scripture and through studying those walls and their placement, both logistically and within context, and we would begin to understand what it is that these walls are declaring. If walls could talk, some would be words of judgment, as we found in the book of Daniel. Others would be words of lamentation and repentance, as we find in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Others, we would find instances and occasions where we would find the walls to be a representation of both shelter and security. Amen. Yet I would turn our attention tonight to the book of Joshua chapter number 6 and the renowned walls of Jericho. Oh, if walls could talk. These mighty walls of Jericho would be walls that if they could talk, they would be walls worth listening to. If walls could talk, it would be worth our while tonight to sit and listen to the story that the mighty walls of Jericho would tell. For here in the book of Joshua, if ever there were walls within the scripture that would talk, if they could talk, it would be these mighty, magnificent walls of Jericho. As the children of Israel stood on the wilderness side of the Jordan River and they peer into the land of promise across the Jordan. They look into a land of promise and those intimidating walls of Jericho were, were certainly saying something to, to Israel. The message they were speaking was a message of impassibility and impossibility. Amen. Those walls were saying there's no way you're going to get beyond us. Those walls were intimidating the people of God. Those walls were telling them that you've come to a dead end in your pursuit of the promises of God. A study of the architecture of the walls of Jericho would reveal that these walls were built through a three-tiered architectural structure. 
that they would have towered and standing on the ground level and looking at the walls of Jericho. They would have stood some 10 stories from the ground to the top of these walls. And in the perspective of the Israelites, they were looking at massive towers standing above them. These walls were not just towering in their height, but they were also massive in their expanse. Some, his, some historians have stated that the measure of the wall's thickness was of such magnitude that chariot races were held atop these colossal structures. So if you can imagine these walls standing some 10 stories above them and so wide and thick that there was no way to penetrate these walls. And now these intimidating walls as the Israelites stand on the brink of the Jordan on this side of the promised land still wandering in the wilderness but about to possess the promises of God. And the walls were speaking something. You better believe it. The walls were saying that your hope is a hoax the walls were saying that your promise just isn't plausible uh, that the object of your faith I'm sorry to tell you but it's nothing but a farce uh, I'm preaching to people on this Sunday night tonight uh, that like this lying spirit that we identified Wednesday night uh, the enemy has appeared in your life uh, like the walls of Jericho uh, and told you that God's promises uh, will never come to pass People that you're on the verge of the breakthrough that we sung about tonight, but you can't even rejoice in the breakthrough because the enemy has told you that your faith is a farce and that your hope is a hoax, that you came all this way for nothing. Children of Israel, you wandered for 40 years and a generation died in the wilderness but you did all of that for nothing because this is the end of the road. I'm sorry to tell you but now that you've struggled in the wilderness and now that you've wandered in the wilderness, I'm sorry to tell you but this is the end of the line. You allowed your faith to get all stirred up for no reason. You allowed your faith to get all stirred up for no good reason. And that is what the walls of Jericho would have said if walls could talk. Has anybody been there before when you fought to get through some things and just like when you felt like you were finally getting to the other side, a spirit of intimidation showed up and the enemy said all of your prayer has been for nothing and all of your fasting has been for nothing and all of your worship has been for nothing. Is there anybody tonight that can testify with the spirit of the walls of Jericho and the adversary that is worked to tell you that the promises of God will not come to pass. But to a generation that had witnessed the supernatural work of God, Amen. A generation that for 40 years had walked in the same shoes. They've worn the same clothes for 40 years and they haven't worn out. They've woken up every morning to find manna on the ground and quail for them to eat. They've watched a pillar of cloud lead them by day and a pillar of fire lead them by night. And now the walls stand and tell them that there's no way through. But now they've already had a revelation of what their God can do. And I'm tired of wandering in the wilderness. I'm just getting a little bit tired of manna and quail. I'm okay with wearing these shoes if I got to. But I think it's about time to go down to Foot Locker and get me a new pair of shoes. Amen. No more wandering in the wilderness. I'm too close to promise to turn back now. 
They came to the Jordan with a realization and a determination that turning back is not an option. I don't care if the walls of Jericho are 40 stories high. I don't care if the walls of Jericho are twice as thick as they are. There's no way I'm going back to that wilderness. There's no way I'm going back to manna. There's no way I'm going back to quail. Amen. There's no way I'm going back to where I came from. I'm sorry, but one more lap around the wilderness is not even an option. And sometimes the greatest gift that God can give us is the absence of options. Some of us are paralyzed because we've still got options. God's trying to move you into a new dimension. But you've got too many options. You've got cell phone numbers in your cell phone that if your marriage doesn't work out, you can always go back to that one. Amen. If things don't work out with your spouse, you can always go to that sidekick that you've got that nobody else knows about. Can I tell you what's keeping your marriage from being fruitful? You've got too many options. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was in an apostolic church. Y'all acting like I just said something say that I shouldn't say in behind a I'm telling you right now, many of you are paralyzed, not because there's a Jericho in front of you, but because there's a wilderness behind you and you haven't made up your mind that I'm moving forward. Come on. If this church doesn't work out, I'll just go down to the church down the road. Pastor, if I decide I don't like you, I'll just go down the road to another church. You've got too many options. If praise doesn't work out, I'll just go back and get me another degree from college. You need to make up in your mind right now. I don't have any options. The wilderness is not an option. I've only got one option, and that is the promised land. Somebody give the Lord praise right now. The greatest gift God can give you is the absence of options. Oftentimes, Jericho's walls, which were meant to move us forward, serve to paralyze us simply because we have options. Amen. I pray to God some of you would get your cell phones and delete some numbers right now. Hallelujah, get on Facebook and delete some names off of your account right now. In fact, while you're at it, just delete Facebook. Come on, in the name of Jesus, I'm moving forward. I'm not, no, one more lap around the wilderness is not an option. I've come too far to turn back now. I've come too far to go back to a wilderness. I've come, manna was good for a season, but I'm ready for some ribeye and potatoes. I'm ready for the miracles. I'm ready for the corn in the promised land. Come on. Some of you are just waiting, and and if serving God gets too hard, I can go back to what I used to be. If the church asks too much of me, I can go back what I used to be. And you'll never make it anywhere in the kingdom of God until you remove options. And you say, there's only one option. Give me my promised land. Give me the promised land. Give me Canaan. Give me miracles. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. 
I wonder if you got a made up mind tonight. Come on, if you got a made up mind tonight, I want you to give God some praise. You might be looking at some walls that seem real tall. You might be looking at some walls that look impenetrable. You might be looking at some things that look impossible. But if you've got a made up mind, nothing is impossible. Some of you need to look the devil in the eye and say one more lap is not an option. One more time around the wilderness is not even an option. Giving up and going back to what I used to be is not even an option. I want you to praise God right now like it's not even an option. I don't care how big the walls of Jericho are. I'm inheriting the promise. I don't care how impossible it looks. I'm not going back. No more manna. No more quail. I'm inheriting what God has for me. Hallelujah. When you are determined, when you have a made up mind, when you've already decided that there's no way I'm, I'm sick and tired of discouragement. I'm sick and tired of the. I made up my mind at the turn of 2020. Ain't no way I'm doing another 2019. God, thank you for all the good stuff. Thank you for the manna in 2019. Thank you for the quail in 2019. But I refuse to take another lap around 2019. I refuse to take another lap around what happened in the last year. I am moving forward and inheriting what God has for me. When you don't have any options... There's nothing to go back to. Jericho's walls, their message changes. Those same walls that used to say there's no way. Those same walls that used to say you can't pass through here. Those same walls that said impassable, impossible, and impenetrable. Instead, the language of the wall begins to change. And that wall, those same walls that used to be so intimidating, now the message is very clear. It says some way. It says whatever it takes. It says I don't know how, but I know he will. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I know I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm getting into Jericho, but I'm not going back to the wilderness. I don't know how I'm going to win the battle, but I know I'm going to win because going back is not an option. And now these walls symbolize the passage from wandering to possessing for the chosen people of God. These walls symbolize the moving from wilderness to promise. The transition from the death of a doubting generation to the birth of a generation that will inherit the promises of Father Abraham. And on the seventh day and the seventh lap around Jericho, when the priests blow the trumpet and the children of Israel shout with a great shout, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. And Brother Alberti, if the walls of Jericho could talk, I tell you tonight, if the walls of Jericho could talk, the same walls that one time stood 10 stories high and said you'll never get a hold of what God has promised you, if today those walls could testify, they would tell you that there is a mighty God. They would tell you that there is nothing impossible with God.
somebody you might be one shout away from your miracle you might be one shout away from a breakthrough If somehow we could bring one of those walls of Jericho in this room tonight and hold a microphone to it, and if somehow God would give it a voice, that stone would testify that God is a mighty God. They would testify that doubt is no more and faith is alive. If those walls could talk, they would tell of the power of a shout. Oh man, I remember I was a wall. I was a stone in the middle of a wall. I thought I was all that and this and a bag of chips. I thought I was, I thought I had my stuff together. I thought I was Mr. Big Stuff. But then those crazy people, those crazy oneness people, those crazy people of God begin to shout. And all of a sudden, my intimidating factor was turned away. I want to tell you if those walls could talk, they would tell you there is power in your shout. There is power when you lift up your voice. There is power when you open your mouth and you declare the works of God. If I were in this building tonight and I were facing a spirit of opposition, I would open my mouth and I would shout, Hallelujah! If walls could talk, if walls could talk, they would tell you there's victory in your praise. They would tell you there's victory in your shout. They would tell you the impossible becomes possible when the people of God praise. In the name of Jesus, some of you are waiting. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? You're being intimidated out of your promise. You're being intimidated out of possessing what God promised you. Open your mouth and declare, this is my Canaan. This is my promised land. We've got more faith. If we're not careful, we have more faith in a handwritten scribbled note we can't even read by a doctor telling us to take it to a pharmacist somewhere. Fill a prescription, you'll pop pills three times a day that'll take you out of your mind. But we have more faith in that than we do the prescription of the word of God which tells us there is power in your praise. If walls could testify, they would say, keep on shouting because you're almost there. Keep on worshiping because you're almost there. If walls could talk, they would talk about the incredible supernatural power possessed by a people that move together in unity. We think unity is just a talking point of a pastor in a pulpit. We think unity is just a, a passing 
theme that needs to be preached on somewhere within the year. But I'm going to tell you, if walls could testify, they would tell you there is nothing like a unified people. There is nothing like a group of people that get behind the vision that God gives to a man of God. And they say, Joshua, whatever you say to do, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But if you say to march around the walls, we will march around the walls. And if you say to shout, we will shout. If walls could talk, they would speak of the supernatural work of a people that walk forward on a word from God rather than the reasoning of man. Walls could talk, they would speak of the power of praise. They would speak of victory. If walls could talk, these walls would have said, I thought I had them. I thought for sure we had put an end to, to the progression of the people of promise. I thought for sure there was no way they would pass from wandering to promise. We thought for sure they would give in to a shudder rather than a shout. We thought for sure they would turn to discouragement instead of determination. But I believe what I preached last Sunday. I believe that God is turning things. And I believe walls that used to say there is no way or now saying we can't even stop what God is doing hallelujah we're just a little over a month into 2020 and and I can't even, if I were to start going down the list, I've, I've listened to people, they're, they're talking about walls that used to be impenetrable in their life. I know Mia and Justin, are, are they here tonight? I don't want to embarrass them. But I'm telling you what God is doing in that marriage is absolutely supernatural. I'm telling you, seven days ago, it looked impossible. Seven days ago, the enemy was saying that marriage is over and there's no way. But one week later, one week later, God has turned it around. One week later, God is working it out. And if God can do it for Justin and Mia, he can do it for you. He can do it in your marriage. He can do it for your children. He can do it for your life. He can do it for your family. I believe some of you, by the time the end of this year is over, the walls are going to testify to the power of your praise. And the wall is going to testify to the power of your shout, to the might of unity. We just praise God. I believe that. I believe it. Come on, Big James. Two months ago, you weren't the man you are right now. Three weeks ago, you weren't the man you are right now. Those walls three weeks ago would have said, there's no way James is going to be a tongue talker. There's no way he's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. But now those same walls are saying, we can't stop him. We can't hold him. We can't contain him. Why don't you open up your mouth and turn your wall around? Why don't you open up your mouth and let your wall testify that there's victory in your shout?
I've made up in my mind I'm not going back to the wilderness. Hallelujah. My wife and I this week made up in our mind in our marriage there's some things we're not ever going back to. There's some struggles in our marriage that we're not ever going back to. And those same walls that just a week ago seemed so intimidating, now they seem they seem so they seem so frail because we made up in our mind that we're not turning back. Raise your hands all across this building right now. I pray the, the power of the Lord right now in this building. I pray that the walls in this room that have served to intimidate the people of God, hallelujah, that those walls will testify. That those same walls that said there's no way are soon going to testify to the power of your praise, to the power of the shout, to the power of the hand of God. You need to open your mouth and declare right now, I'm not going back. Come on, those walls are talking. You can either let them intimidate you or you can let them testify. You can either let them scare you out of a promise, uh, drive you back into wondering, uh, drive you back into a place of doubt, uh, drive you back into a place of death, uh, or you can make up in your mind whatever it takes. Uh, there's only one way, and it's forward. This city is not ready for what God's about to do through this church. I know that there are walls in our community that say there can't be an apostolic revival, but I believe it won't be very long until those same walls testify that there is a church that is unified, that is powerful. If walls could talk, that's not all that these walls would say. These walls would say that while you're on your way to victory, people of God, while you're on your way to possessing promise, children of promise, while you are celebrating your transition from doubt to faith, and I do believe again what I preached last Sunday, I'm watching many of you experience it. Jeremy and Stephanie, I know they're not able to be here tonight, but I'm telling you, God is doing something in the life of that family. Justin and Mia, I know I mentioned them. Cortez, I know he's not here tonight. Where's Chris? Chris Torres, I'm watching God do something. Eric and Carla, Junior and Edel, James and Naomi, Moses and Angie. God is doing it. He's moving families. He's moving individuals from wondering to promise. But while we are on our way to victory, and as we are celebrating what was once an impassable and impenetrable wall that has now been miraculously and supernaturally brought down, these walls would say, don't forget that as you celebrate what God is doing in your world, that there's a Rahab within these walls. You see, it's so easy to become preoccupied with my blessing. 
It's so easy to become focused upon my breakthrough, upon my victory, upon my miracle, about what God is doing in my marriage and my finances and my home and my family, that often if we're not careful, we get so fixated on the victory that we forget in those same walls there is a Rahab that is waiting for a church to come and find her. We forget that while I'm getting my victory, there's a Rahab that is waiting on a church. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 22, as the sounds of victory are echoing through the air, the victorious cries of Israel as they are taking the city of Jericho by the sword, the crackling and the grinding of still settling stones as the walls of Jericho are still shifting from their fall. But above the sounds of victory is lifted the voice of Joshua, that Old Testament type of Jesus Christ, as he cries out above the sound of shifting stones, and he says, go to the house of Rahab. Go to the house of the harlot. Somebody go find Rahab and bring her out. I know you're getting your victory. I know you're getting your breakthrough. But somebody go find Rahab. And if walls could speak tonight, they would say, living hope, there's a Rahab living in the walls of this city. There's a woman somewhere tonight that will cry herself to sleep, asking, is there really a God? I know you're getting your victory. I know you're getting your breakthrough. I believe it. I'm thankful for the supernatural work. I'm thankful that those once impenetrable walls, God is bringing them down. But please don't forget about Rahab while you possess your promise. Haroko shayebo shatai. Come on, living hope. I know right now we don't know where Rahab is at. But I promise you she's in this city right now. It may be a dad, a husband, a father who's done everything he knows how to do. He's searched in his own power and authority to turn his family around, and he hasn't found the answer. And tonight he's crying out, is there a God out there that can help me? I wonder could somebody stand tonight and pray for the Rahab in your city I I know it's easy to get caught up in our victories thank you Lord thank you for my pay raise God thank you thank you that my marriage is better thank you Lord that you're fixing things thank you God that you're turning things around in my world thank you Lord that I'm doing better than I was a month ago Thank you, God, that what used to be intimidating is now a testimony of your greatness. But God, as I move from doubt to faith, as I move from wondering to promise, Lord, don't let me forget that there's a Rahab living in the walls of the city. While you're celebrating your victory, don't forget that there is a Rahab. Ah, 
I want to ask us, I'm not going to preach a whole lot longer, but I want to ask everybody that will to stand on your feet right now. so easy to get fixated upon what God is doing in my world. What I need God to do, what God is doing, what I want God to do. We celebrate, James, I am so excited about what God, I don't want to belittle what God is doing, I don't. I don't, I don't want to belittle the miracle that God is doing in, just, I, in Justin and Mia's marriage, I don't want to belittle that at all. But, but it's easy for us as the people of God that we become so fixated on our miracles and what God is doing among us as we begin to run around and gather the spoil of Jericho that J the voice of Joshua is raised saying, hey, while you're out there gathering the spoil, somebody go to the house of Rahab and bring her. Come on, there's a Rahab. If walls could speak, they would say, don't forget about Rahab. If walls could speak, the walls would tell us that God has been preparing Rahab. If we go back to Joshua chapter 2. When the spies, the two spies enter into the house of Rahab, she says to them, I know who you are. I know the Lord has given you this land. I know your terror is falling upon us. And all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any courage in our man, in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God. Living hope, we need to have a confidence tonight. If the walls could talk, they would tell us that Rahab is waiting for us. Rahab has heard of our God. Rahab is hungry for God. Co-workers that you work with that you think want nothing to do with God. God is preparing their hearts. We need to have a confidence that we are in partnership with God. That God did not call us to save this world on our own. In fact, we can't save this world on our own. But God has asked us to be co-laborers with him. That means when I go into that restaurant and I sit down and I order my salmon or my ribeye or whatever I might order, I need to have confidence that God has been working on my waitress, that God has been working on my waiter, that God is going to open the door. He's going to lead me to hungry people. If the walls could talk, they would say, living hope, God is preparing Rahab within the walls of your city. They are your neighbors. They are your co-workers. They are the waitress at your favorite restaurant. And if the walls could speak tonight, they would say, God is working. And if those walls could talk, those walls would say, church, don't forget that Rahab is a harlot. Rahab is coming. Rahab is waiting for us to come and find her. But Rahab is a mess. Rahab is broken. See, we want God to bring in the good ones. 
that we can just shine them up a little bit and sit them on the pew and they don't have any brokenness. They don't have any problems. We don't need to teach them a Bible study. They just come prepackaged, ready for ministry. That's not how they're coming. They're coming a mess. Rahab is going to require our patience. But if we'll be patient with Rahab, there's value in Rahab. We talked about it in our Christmas series. Rahab would be used to give birth to one that would be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That was after somebody was patient with Rahab. But when she first came into the church, Rahab was a harlot. And can I tell you the percentages of churches today that aren't reaching their community. They have no evangelism and no outreach. Why? Because Rahab is a harlot. I don't have time to be patient with Rahab. I don't have time to see Rahab cleaned up. You see, Rahab doesn't worship the God that I worship. Rahab doesn't sing the same songs we sing. Rahab doesn't know our church lingo. Rahab is going to walk in here and she's going to be a mess and she's going to have problems. But church, we've got to know that there's value in Rahab. Rahab is a harlot. So raise our hands right now. I want us to pray they're coming. I know even at this church, many of us are hesitant to get involved in ministry and outreach and evangelism because there's a cost. There's a cost associated with Rahab. She's a mess. Rahab comes from a broken home. It's a broken family. Rahab's going to take time out of my schedule. And I'm already given my time enough, Pastor. I don't have time to invest in Rahab. So, Pastor, I'm sorry, but count me out. I just don't have time for Rahab. If walls would speak tonight, they would ask, is there anybody who has time to go? Joshua said, go into her house. I got news for you. When Rahab comes, she's not coming alone. When they went and got Rahab, the Bible says that she brought with her her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. Amen. When we began to be patient and willing to reach Rahab, I'm telling you there is a revival that is coming. Families are going to come. By the 5 and the 10 and the 15, they will come. I know, I know it's so easy. Well, Pastor, what about me and my victory? coming don't worry your victory's coming what about your co-worker what about your neighbor come on I want us to raise our hands right now throughout this city I know we've got those Jesus loves you cards and I want us to pray over them that God would anoint them. And I'm asking us every morning that throughout this church we would pray, God, lead me to the Rahab in my community. Lead me to that one that is hungry. Lead me to that one that is searching. Lead me to that one, oh God, that needs you. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. 
Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.